It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. DHS is now concerned about the, the, a new conspiracy theory, a new Trump-inspired, Trump-incited kind of rage, white rage, to use the words of General Milley yesterday. And it's this. Um, uh, they're concerned about the Trump reinstatement conspiracy theory. An exchange came in a members-only briefing that John Cohen, DHS's top counterterrorism official, gave to the House Committee on Homeland Security. Cohen told lawmakers that DHS is not aware of any specific credible threats of violence linked to the conspiracy theory about Trump being reinstated. But he added that DHS is following discussion of the topic online among extremist communities. And he said department officials are highly concerned about it because it fuels the false narrative that the election was rigged. And that's a narrative that may trigger a violent response from extremists. It's just jaw dropping that, you know, the disgrace twice impeached ex-presidents utterances are now a national security threat on an hourly daily basis. Yeah, it, it is remarkable that it continues on. And it's also remarkable because there is still significant online discussion of this, which means think if you're a believer in this conspiracy and you've seen everything from QAnon to uh, January 6th, the inauguration occurring, uh, the ballot recounts failing, and you still are pursuing this fantasy. Uh, and that, how would it not lead to violence over time whenever each of these sort of horizons are picked in the conspiracy space? and then don't occur. Uh, and they keep committing to this over and over again. So I think it's particularly troubling. And I, I think one advantage that we do have is the president is not on Twitter, Facebook, and much of social media. His website was not particularly successful. So it has muted his ability to really rally that base. And he's been in a limited number of public appearances. If that were to change and the conspiracy started to pick up again, if you start to see a sizable audience gathering uh, that dhs assessment is right on target uh, you know it is, it is actually articulating clear risk that the biggest risk to the country it isn't actually uh you know from outside the country it's not even necessarily from inside the country but from the last person that was inside the white house all right that was msnbc just to put this in perspective donald trump must be stopped at all cost and of course his followers who are now um what uh anarchists, uh, people who want to destroy the government, insurrectionists. Uh, and it's a full court press on those of us who love the Constitution and loved President Trump because he supported the Constitution and freedoms. It's amazing. Uh, and that's the rhetoric that a lot of your friends and family, your kids are hearing. And that's why you are so at odds with them. But ironically, of course, uh, yes, President Trump has been shut out from social media it has muted his message, and I noticed when I was prepping this morning, he was at a rally in Ohio Saturday night, and I'm going to tell you about that in a second. It was a, a, described as a boisterous rally in Wellington, which is southwest of Cleveland. Thousands of people came, and we'll talk about that. Uh, but the point I want to make is uh, he was so well-received. So many people came, but there was no 
I could not find a sound clip. I couldn't find a sound clip on Fox. I couldn't find a sound clip. Um, there must be someone, someone at one somewhere, but I couldn't find it. So they are, they are, you know, collectively, the media is hell-bent on not letting you hear anything from Donald Trump. And he's out there trying to make sure that uh, constitutional conservatives are elected. And that's why he was in Ohio. So let me just, I'm gonna just I just want to give you a, a taste of it, okay? And by the way, if any of you were there uh, at the rally on Saturday night near Cleveland, give us a call and uh, tell us what you saw. It's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so what he was doing was uh, there in support of Republican congressional candidate Max Miller, uh, who is running against Representative Anthony Anthony Gonzalez, who voted against President Trump, uh, voted to impeach him. And I'll give you more information about that. Max Miller is a a veteran, combat veteran, and uh, served in the White House, and so he's running against Anthony Shell Atkinson reported from that event. She said Trump supporters were donning T-shirts reading, Don't blame me. I voted for Trump. Uh, and uh, his rally, by the way, racked over 2 million views on just Right Side Broadcasting Network and Rumble alone. Uh, that doesn't include the, the other outlets that were covering it. And I don't even know what all those outlets were. So I'm sure you have your own source now. There are so many uh, independent sources of media that have uh, come to the fore if they can break through, you know, on social media and find a platform. Rumble is a good, uh, a good option. That's becoming more and more popular uh, f- to me. I'm uh, being sent a lot more really valuable clips and information from Rumble than. Um, so I'm just sharing that with you. You might want to consider joining so you could be on that, so you can watch those things. Uh, so President Trump had a lot of things to say. Uh, first of all, he said kids are on suicide watch. He's talking about the border. And then he said there was no more dire threat than the crisis on our southern border other than perhaps our elections. Thousands of people were there. They waited for hours uh, to get in, as they always do. Uh, I saw a picture, um, of one article that I read that showed just a smattering of people behind him. I don't know where that came from because the other pictures I'm looking at look like the old rallies, the old Trump rallies. Uh, thousands of people waiting in line and then thousands of people in the audience. So I think he was uh, uh, very well received um, then he said also that he's vowing to help Republicans take back the House and take back the Senate. Uh, also, he's saying America last, not America first. And that's what he, how he referred to uh, Biden's reckless policies. He said immediately upon taking office, Joe Biden deliberately and systematically through his people, because I don't think he did it, dismantled America's border defenses and incited a flood of illegal immigrants Migrants like this country has never seen. They violated our laws from every single corner of the globe. They were invited in, and we can't do that. We can't afford that. He also said that he thinks that Biden has violated his constitutional oath to protect and defend America's sovereignty. He said, we need a Republican Congress to shut down the lawless Biden agenda, defund reckless immigration policies, restore our southern border to what it was. Um, then he talked again about the, the kids on suicide wash at the border. He said, these are in many cases, wonderful kids. They're coming in at levels that we've never seen. And they are sent all around the country for the first time. They're on suicide watch. So many of these young kids, all because of this stupid policy that you've been watching over these months. He went on to say gas prices are skyrocketing. Inflation is skyrocketing. China and Russia are humiliating 
our country. It's possible. We will have to win it a third time. It's possible, he said to the crowd as they chanted, USA, USA, USA. And back to Max Miller, who is the candidate that he went to uh, that rally in support of. He is a Marine veteran. He served as uh, President Trump's White House advisor. He played a key role in the denuclearization negotiations with North Korea. And so uh, he's there to support him. Uh, He said, with your help, we are going to beat the radical Democrats and we are going to elect an amazing slate of proud America First Republicans next year. Uh, He says, after just five months, the Biden administration is already a complete and total catastrophe. Crime is surging. Murders are soaring. Police departments are being gutted. Illegal aliens are overrunning our borders. Joe Biden is destroying our nation right before our very eyes. And he is. I just, uh, there's a crime report out this morning. I could do an old show on the crime, how it's increased in the major cities and everywhere, really. And it's coming to a city near you because of what's coming across the border You can see this. You can see it at the gas pump. He's telling the truth. That's why people loved President Trump is because he did tell them the truth. And so um, um, he's going to visit the Texas border on Wednesday and hold a rally over the July 4th weekend in Sarasota, Florida, for those of you in that area. Um, And then he says of our generals, you know, Mark Milley, the Joint Chiefs of Staff chairman last week, was, uh, you know, praising critical race theory. And uh, talking about how important it is to military leaders to understand it. But they're implementing it. It's not that just reading about it intellectually. They are implementing critical race theory among our troops. And President Trump said, Our generals and our admirals are now focused more on this nonsense than they are on our enemies. You see these generals lately on television. They are woke. They are woke. So that's just a smattering of uh, what he said. Oh, Carolyn is on the phone, and she was at the rally. Carolyn, good morning. How are you? Great. I okay. just wanted to give you a report because it was exhilarating. There was thousands and thousands of people, who knows how many. We got there around 2-ish, and we it was just a huge crowd of people. And then we had to file through the um, detectors, and then we went into a lot lot larger area and there was space to uh, sit down and they had food trucks and then it was around close to eight o'clock before Trump started speaking and uh, just people was so um, behind him and there was no nothing going on that was bad everything was up upbeat and everybody was in you know good uh, no problems, no problems of any kind. And uh, we just say, how, how can he that lost uh, so many people still back in him? And you see Trump flags all over in our area and stuff like uh, of support. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. It is, oh, that's cool. Caroline, it's nice to hear that. I think many people wish they could have been there. <laughs> Or could have watched it on television, but uh, no, we can't. I don't know. Maybe One America News covered it. I don't. I really don't know. Or I bet they did. Or Newsmax. Uh, I don't know. But uh, nevertheless, that's a great report, Carolyn, and it's great to be encouraged. And what he's saying is true. I honestly don't. Okay, this is me talking. I really don't think President Trump is planning on running for president again. I think he is doing exactly what he's saying. Uh, he wants to get uh, co- constitutional conservatives, America first candidates um, elected, and that's what he's focusing on. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. Carolyn, thanks. It's it's great to have that 
uh, first-hand witness account. Thank you so much. Uh, meanwhile, on television, we had, uh, let's see, where this clip of uh, uh, Mitt Romney. Let's play clip 12, you guys, because uh, in response to what Carolyn just said and about the election, uh, Jake Tapper had some editorial, an editorial remark question for Mitt Romney. The rip, rip, mm, trying to hurry. Mitt Romney had an answer. This is clip 12. Let's listen. Do these repeated lies about the election, the whitewashing of what happened January 6th, do you think it undermines American democracy? And if so, do you think that more of your Republican colleagues need to speak out? Here in the U.S., there's a growing recognition that this is a bit like WWF, uh, that it's entertaining, uh, but it's not real. And I know people want to say, yeah, they believe in the big lie in some cases, but I think people recognize that it's a lot of show and and um, and bombast, but it's going nowhere. Uh, the election is over. It was uh, it was fair. Uh, look, uh, the, the president was saying it was crying foul on election night and actually before election night. And the question is, what were his sources of information? Where did he hear that the election had been fraudulently uh, carried out? Did he hear it from the Justice Department? No. Did he hear it from the intelligence community? No. So where did he hear it from? The MyPillow guy? Rudy Giuliani? Yep. What were their sources of information? I mean, it's pretty clear. The election was fair. Uh, it wasn't the outcome that the president wanted, but let's move on. Okay. Well, we, maybe uh, Mitt Romney will have to move on when he's next up for election <laughs> in Utah. Meanwhile, by the president was appearing in uh, Ohio. Bill Barr was appearing also on television, giving an interview to Jonathan Carl who, you know, the network ABC and Carl personally savaged Bill Barr over and over again when he was serving in the Trump administration. But while President Trump was at the rally, Bill Barr really showed his hand. It's not a good thing. He uh, um, he said that the um, uh, rumors that are the, the notion that the election was stolen is a word I can't say. It's got uh, letters that you can use to describe it. Uh, so that's what uh, the former attorney general had to say. And it takes away all of our confidence that uh, Attorney General Barr was trying to do anything uh, to sort out the mess in Washington, to expose the deep state. It sounds to me like he is completely caved. Maybe for a while uh, he was trying to do the right thing, but um, what a disappointment. Uh, meanwhile, there's so much news on the election front. Uh, it's it's really bizarre to think that there's nothing to this uh, this question. We're going to go to Georgia next, at least in, in, in theory, with a new congressman who is just a champion. And I want you to meet him. It's Congressman Andrew Clyde from Georgia. And we'll talk to him in a minute. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. In churches, and a lot of churches today, the issue of identity is sort of like the big elephant in the room. It's in the news, but it's not in the church. So if it's in society, it needs to be something the churches are addressing. In his image... Delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is now available for church screenings and events. Every person in America needs to see this. And all pastors need to show this to the church, get the people informed. If the church and Jesus isn't the answer, where is the world going? We want the message of the film to touch as many hearts and lives as possible. And we'd love to join with you to bring the film to your community. So let's say you have a small group or your church, or we've even been bringing the film into some prisons. We want to partner with you. So what we'll do is we'll send you a special kit and it's completely free and it'll just have some extra resources to help you promote your event. To find out more about how to host an event, go to inhisimage.movie and click on the host an event tab. That's inhisimage.movie. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Greg Ibaugh, Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs at the Department of Agriculture. Mr. Ibaugh supervises operations related to farming and ranching in the U.S. Genesis 129 reminds us of the Lord's gifts of trees and crops and plants. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide Greg Ibaugh as he works on behalf of America's farmers and ranchers. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. New Census Bureau numbers are out, and it's good news for the southern states. More folks evacuating places like New York, Ohio, and California, among the states losing at least one congressional seat. Colorado, Florida, North Carolina, Montana, and Oregon will gain at least one seat. Seems more Americans are migrating to the west and the south. Texas, the only state gaining two additional seats, leading some Republican lawmakers to predict they will indeed retake control of the House in 2022. It's really no surprise that folks are moving south of the Mason-Dixon line. I mean, let's be honest. Would you rather sit on a front porch rocking chair with a funeral fan drinking sweet tea from a mason jar? Or would you rather dodge bullets on the stoop of a Brooklyn brownstone? Pass me some more of that fried chicken while you think about it. Be sure to download my free daily podcast and my newsletter at ToddStarns.com. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. The dome of this capital has always been a beacon of democracy and hope to America and to the world. Under this dome, our nation has abolished slavery, uh, secured equal protections for people across our country, ended the Civil War, enfranchised women, established Medicare and Medicaid, and met the needs of the American people in so many ways under the dome of the Capitol. Children learn about our country's history and what we are doing to advance their future. Legislators pass laws, press engage in uh, in reporting on our democracy, and staff and workers enable all of this to happen. This dome has been a symbol of determination in our country. That was just in part uh, the speech by the great patriot of the House, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. 
waxing eloquent on uh, what the Capitol building means and its history, and she goes on and on, and you would almost think she believed that, except her actions are proving the opposite. We're going to get to that in just a second. I I have said to you before that I'm sort of giving up on D.C., and I have for the most part, except that I have to tell you what I've said many, many times before. There are some wonderful people who are laying it all on the line right now for you and for me. And for that reason, if if that's the only reason, we cannot give up on Washington, D.C. We have to have their back. We have to fight with them and for them. And I wanted to introduce you to a new member of Congress this morning because he's really, really on the front line. You will recall last week we talked to Ken Cuccinelli about the lawsuit that uh, Louis Gohmert and Congressman Andrew Clyde were bringing against Nancy Pelosi for these draconian fines. Uh, setting up a mag- magnetometer so that they have to enter the go through the magnetometer ridiculous amounts of time, and uh, as they go to the chamber, even if they go to the bathroom, and uh, collectively, I think Andrew and um, Congressman Clyde and Louis Gomert have been fined something like twenty thousand dollars, and I think fifteen thousand of that has uh, is coming out of Andrew Clyde's uh, salary. Uh, let me introduce you to him properly. He is a combat veteran, a small business owner. Uh, a proud Georgian. Uh, he earned his commission from the University of Notre Dame. He served as a U.S. Navy officer for 28 years, three combat deployments to Kuwait and Iraq, and after receiving an honorable discharge, uh, he made his home in Athens, Georgia, earned a master's degree in corporate finance and entrepreneurship from the University of Georgia. He established what was known as the Clyde Armory in 1991. He grew the company into a nationwide firearms business. Uh, which currently operates two brick-and-mortar locations in Georgia. He was elected to the 117th Congress in November 2020, and he represents Georgia's 9th District. He and his wife, Jennifer, are residents of Jackson County and members of the Prince Avenue Baptist Church, where Congressman Clyde serves as a deacon. Uh, He currently serves on the House Committee on Oversight and Reform and the Homeland Security Committee. I gave you that long bio because I want you to understand the kind of man he is, his background. He doesn't have to serve in Congress, uh, and he's doing this because he wants to help save this country. Congressman Clyde, thank you for joining us this morning. Well, Sandy, thank you for uh, uh, your invitation to come join, and um, my word, <laughs> what an introduction you gave me. Thank you. Yeah, well, my pleasure, because you deserve it. And I uh, let, me, let me ask you some personal questions, okay? Because I, I want people to get acquainted with you. I'm curious to know why sure. you went into the Navy. Why the Navy? Well, my family has a very long history of military service. My father was in the Navy in the Korean War, and um, <clears throat> I had a great uncle who was in the Navy under Theodore Roosevelt, who was in the Great White Fleet that sailed around the world. And um, my brother was in the Navy before me. Um, actually, my family history in the military goes all the way back to Colonel Samuel Clyde, who served under General George Washington in the Continental oh, Army. Oh, my goodness. Not the Navy, but the Army. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. Well, you know what? I should say I have learned this after some time in D.C. and also just relationships. Uh, the Navy, uh, how shall I say? I'll offend all the other branches if I say this, but the Navy has such a rich in history, just incredible. The Naval Academy, one of the best uh, these uh, real valiant uh, men, mostly men, always usually men till the last uh, decade or two, uh, they've done incredible things. It was like a uh, to be an officer in the Navy 
Uh, that's the Navy SEALs comes out of the Navy, uh, just has been incredible. And it's interesting to me, Congressman, it'd be interesting to hear, hear, hear your thoughts on that. I've often thought that one of the reasons the left, it seems to me, targeted the Navy most uh, vociferously, and this has gone back at least 10, 15 years, on this social engineering is because it was so powerful. What are your thoughts about that? Well, uh, first off, Naval officers were actually our country's first uh, foreign statesmen um, because the Navy would enter into, um, you know, cross the seas and go into all sorts of countries across the world. So Naval officers were truly uh, first contact that other nations had in the United States. And the uh, Navy is full, very full of uh, tradition, very rich tradition, um, uh, and you know it's it's a, a fantastic thing. He is under attack right now by the radical left. Uh, for those who would fully engineer him, uh, it's a very dangerous thing, and I'm very concerned about it. That's um, one of the reasons that um, I am here in Congress serving. I want to ensure that our military does not go woke, as the expression is, and we preserve our rich heritage of defending life and liberty uh, for the people and freedom for the people of America. It must absolutely break your heart and make you furious to see how the the Navy has been diminished in terms of its capabilities, uh, the warships, the readiness. I mean, that's. I guess we could talk about that on a different day, but I just wanted to make that point. Uh, Oh, what a difference an Um, election can make. Yes, indeed, but but more concerning than actual tools, all right, is the is the moral courage that exists in individuals. Um, you know, you can have just absolute and great moral courage and be a phenomenal fighting force. You can have amazing tools, the very, very best technology and the best tools, and when you have no moral courage to fight or to stand up for what is right, then you have a hollow force, and then you um, are... Uh, you run the risk of um, failing from within and then being defeated by an enemy, not because you lack excellent tools, but because the courage is not there and the foundation is not there for our people yeah. uh, who serve in the military. And that's greatly concerning to me, especially uh, the more seen, from what I'm hearing from senior officers and, and uh, the Biden administration, the way they're leading the military. Um, we're not a social experiment. You know, uh, the military needs to be the cream of crop uh, to defend our country, um, not a, 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 um, uh, a cut of the entire country with, with good and bad in it. I always say, uh, this is something I've learned from my military friends. General, uh, uh, General Jerry Boykin is a good friend on you. I'm sure you know who he is, but he has uh, always yes, talked about Yes, I do. About- Very good friend of mine, too. <laughs> Uh, he always talks about how uh, American military, they have been valiant warriors. They have not fought to conquer. They fought to defend and to rescue. It's pretty amazing because I don't right. think, I'm not sure any other country could talk about that. We've not colonialized. We've not, you know, we've not uh, taken booty from countries. It's a pretty amazing thing our American military has done, and we should be very proud. And it is like a gut punch. It is like a gut punch to see what the left is doing uh, to the men and women and to our nation's uh, defenses. 
let's let's move now you spent 24 years or 28 years as an officer in the navy and then you founded this Clyde I did go ahead sir Clyde Armory right um it was 11 years active and 17 years in the reserve okay and then when you retired you you and your wife settled down in Georgia and you founded this Clyde Armory which we mentioned in the opening and um then as I recall and you have to fill in the blanks here you run this was in 1991 when you established this uh I I only know smatterings about this I certainly remember when the Bi- uh, Obama administration came after gun dealers uh, uh armories all kinds of things and started using the IRS and tax law and all kinds of things to harass and intimidate and try to destroy. Didn't you run afoul with the Obama administration as the owner of Clyde Armory? Yes, Sandy, I certainly did. That was back in 2013 um, when the Obama administration came in and uh, through the Internal Revenue Service and unlawfully uh, confiscated $940,000 from my business through um, what is known as civil asset forfeiture. And it was wrong. It was unconstitutional what they did. I took them to court. I fought them in court. I beat them in court. And uh, I got my money back, um, except for what it cost me to, to fight them. And then um, I decided that uh, that no one else should have to go through what I did. And so uh, that was back in August of 2013. In October of 2013, I was sitting here in the halls of Congress telling my story to the Chief of Staff of the Oversight Subcommittee of House Ways and Means. Never been to Congress before, but I was bound and determined that this was not going to happen to another person. And uh, I was afforded the opportunity to testify against the Internal Revenue Service, myself and two others, um, in uh, February of 2015. And through that testimony, uh, Congress um, was uh, uh, so stunned by what we said, I think, that they created a law to forever take away the authority of the Internal Revenue Service to ever confiscate legally earned money through civil asset forfeiture ever again. And they named it after us. They called it the Clyde Hirsch Sowers Respect Act for the three of us who were willing to testify against the Internal Revenue Service, against the corruption in the Internal Revenue Service. Um, And three times Congress passed that law uh, unanimously, but it never got a vote in the Senate until 2019, when uh, it finally got uh, over to the Senate, the, my my predecessor, uh, Congressman Doug Collins, was very instrumental in making that happen. And um, uh, the Senate voted on it unanimously, approved it. President Trump signed it into law as part of the Taxpayer First Act on July 1st, 2019. And that was a great victory for us. Uh, the IRS came after us and took my money and we took it back. And then we went after the IRS and took their authority. And um, so um, I'm very, very um, humbled, but very proud of that moment, too. Interesting. So and now, you for, uh, now, you, no, now you've run for Congress. And, of course, the IRS is uh, running amok again, going after conservative organizations. It's uh, some things never change. But I was just thinking, as you said, that the bill is named with, with has your name in it, that you maybe you're starting another family <laughs> legacy here, Congressman. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I I think you know I think um I think I can answer this and you did enter uh, already say uh kind of ind- indicate but why in the world you have you have a business you have a, a rich career uh and going to congress right now is a pain I don't need to tell you so why did you make the choice to go and serve there Well my experience with the Internal Revenue Service told me that um one person truly can make a difference 
if they are dedicated, if they believe, and if they fight with everything they've got. And um, that's what I did with the Internal Revenue Service, and we were successful there. And I love this country. It is the finest country in the world. I served um, 28 years in the military defending this country, uh, three combat tours, as you mentioned, in the open. And uh, I am not going to let this country uh, be taken by the woke left. And I will not let our Constitution be trashed. And so we're going to fight this, and we're going to prevail. So that's that's just my internal conviction. And, um, you know, um, as God gives me strength, I will I will fight this fight. You know, it's interesting, uh, encouraging. Uh, we have had a chance to meet several uh, new members of Congress. Now, there's some champions already there, and you've aligned yourself with one of them, Louis Gohmert. I defend those guys all the time. Uh, but you have some new champions. <laughs> yes. You're not alone. I mean, is that is that encouraging to you as you look around the room and you see all these people? They don't. They're not tainted by Washington. They're just there to fight. Oh my word! Our freshman class is amazing. We have 42 freshmen. I think it's 42, 43 now, um, uh, with um, uh, Julia Letlow. Um, but we have an amazing freshman class. Um, they are are uh, strong and they're determined. Um, and the vast majority of them are very conservative. Um, we took a number of districts uh, that to the left thought there's no way in the world the Republicans are going to take, and we, we took those districts. We, um, we had uh, about 10 of them uh, now in the House Freedom Caucus, so we expanded the Freedom Caucus with the freshman class, and that was a wonderful thing to see. Um, so I'm very, very excited. We've got a great diversity in our freshman class, but we've got a great experience to uh, military veterans and uh, law enforcement and, and um, um, just across America, a great spectrum of courageous individuals, in my opinion. Well, you've walked into a, a mess, as I don't need to tell you. Uh, I, 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 when I've talked to other freshmen, it just it amazes me the optimism, because what I see from a distance is just chaos, and uh, you know to see the Capitol surrounded by fence and uh, the 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 January sixth uh, the the accusations that people in, the, in that chamber are enemies of the country and have to walk through magnetometers like uh, you and uh, the, everyone else, but you and Louis Gomert and others are, have uh, not bowed the knee to that particular rule of Nancy Pelosi. And when we come back, Congressman, let's talk about what it's like to serve in Congress under Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Uh, And then further, um, just your efforts to try to change things. We want to get to that, too. Plus, if we have time, we want to talk about your fight on the Hyde Amendment, uh, which is a whole other issue about... um, Uh, keeping taxpayer dollars from funding abortions. And we'll get to that in just a second. So my guest is Congressman Andrew Clyde from the 9th Congressional District in Georgia. Be right back right after this. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. Do you want God to work a miracle in your life? Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve with From His Heart Ministries. Listen, I don't know 
how God is speaking to your heart and what he's speaking to your heart about. But I know this, he's present and he's looking for people who will believe him, who will step up. God shows up when you and I step up. Let God show up in your life. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart, weeknights at 6 Central here on American Family Radio. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. According to a recent study published by the Christian Post, 76.3% of all abortions are obtained by, quote, God-fearing women, unquote, with 68.7% who identified themselves as Christian women and 18% of all abortions obtained by self-described born-again or evangelical women. A corresponding CareNet study found that many women with unplanned pregnancies go silently from the church pew to the abortion clinic convinced the church would gossip rather than help. America's greatest need is repentance. When the hearts of the American people turn to God, everything else will be impacted. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with today's Life and Liberty Minute. California Governor Gavin Newsom wants to ban fossil fuel cars in California by 2035, but less than 2% of cars on the road today are electric vehicles. California's obsession with wind and solar, which generates zero electricity when the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine, means Californians can't even reliably charge up the cars they already have. With its constant power outages, the state is being turned into a third world country. But California shut down its main nuclear plant, which produced the greenest energy there is, zero carbon emissions. California will end up requiring people to drive their cars only at night so they can charge them during the day. Green energy is a disaster everywhere it's tried. If you want to see how bad it can get, keep your eye on California. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Rumors are flying that one of the most important enemy spies in U.S. history has defected to the Defense Intelligence Agency. If true, his debriefings could prove a tremendous boon to our national security and potentially the death knell for the Biden presidency. The defector is reportedly Dong Jingwei, China's highest-ranking counterintelligence officer. He would know his country's most closely held secrets, including the truth about the Wuhan virus and the murderous worldwide pandemic it precipitated, whether dictator Xi Jinping's hold on power is shaky, and the success of the CCP's subversive penetration of U.S. intelligence, other government agencies, and businesses. Dong would also be able to confirm whether President Biden and others among our leaders have been compromised by the Chinese communists. We can only pray that he actually is safely here, and if so, that he'll stay that way. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Uh, I'm announcing that the House will be establishing a select committee on the January 6th insurrection. Again, January 6th was one of the darkest days in our nation's history. I've said it now three times. It is imperative that we establish the truth of that day and ensure that an attack of that kind cannot happen and that we root out the causes of it all. The select committee will investigate and report on the facts 
and the causes of the attack, and it will make report recommendations uh, for the prevention of any future attack. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, announcing her intention to form a select committee to get to the truth. Because, of course, we all know that she really wants the truth. I hope she recognizes the truth when she gets the truth. Uh, Congressman Andrew Clyde is serving in the House. This is his first term. He was elected in 2020. He serves the 9th Congressional District in Georgia. Uh, We've had a great discussion so far with him about his past, his 28 years in the Navy, his overseas terms, his his, um, ownership of the Clyde Armory, his battle with the IRS under Obama. Uh, It's just an amazing story. And now he's chosen to serve you and me uh, in Congress, which is no small thing. All right, so the Speaker of the House constitutionally is charged with she has more duties than other Congress people do, or or he or she. Uh, And they are in charge with, you know, the function of the House. But I don't think ever in the history of the House of Representatives have we had someone uh, trying to punish the opposing party by her draconian rules, and that's exactly what's happened. You heard Ken Cuccinelli describe last week what she's trying to do to to, uh, Congressman Louis Gohmert and Congressman Andrew Clyde, our guest this morning, uh, and so uh, he's joined us this morning to just kind of fill in the blanks on that. So, Congressman, in short, uh, how would you describe the kinds of things that Pelosi is doing to make life miserable for people that she considers her opponents? Um, well, Sandy, uh, I, I think it's pretty <clears throat> clear to me that her intent is to gain improper influence over the actions of the minority. That would be we Republicans. And she wants to further her false political narrative that, and I'm going to quote her now, the enemy is within the House of Representatives. Um, There is no enemy within the House of Representatives. In fact, last week I had the opportunity in a um, member briefing by the Coordinator for Counterterrorism and Assistant Secretary for Counterterrorism and Threat Prevention, Mr. John Cohen, I had the opportunity to ask him, you know, um, do you have any information from any source that would indicate that any member of Congress is a threat to any other member of Congress? And that was after I had mentioned to him both the Speaker's comments on January the 28th and her comments last week, where she said that as long as there is a threat, we'll have to have protection. Uh, and um, and the <clears throat> Assistant Secretary said, no, there is no known so no, no information that there's any threat whatsoever of one member to another. So this is just a false narrative by Speaker Pelosi. Um, <clears throat> and these magnetometers around the House chamber are there to emphasize that false narrative. Uh, it's um, shameful, in my opinion. It uh, impedes the progress of congressmen and women as they go to the floor to vote, which is a violation of Article One, Section 6 of the Constitution. And fining members for not being impeded by going through these magnetometers is a violation of the 27th Amendment of the Constitution. So when I heard that this was going to happen, that House Resolution 73 was written and was going to come up for a vote, um, I decided in talking to a few other members um, who uh, referenced me to Mr. Ken Cuccinelli as a great attorney, um, I decided to do something about it and that we were going to take uh, Nancy Pelosi head on. And so um, I purposefully uh, bypassed the magnetometers a couple of times, got fined twice, $5,000 and $10,000. And uh, that gave me the legal standing that I needed to be successful in court. And so uh, we filed that lawsuit a couple of weeks ago, and I'm proud that we did that. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm uh, very confident 
that we will prevail and we will take back uh, what Nancy Pelosi has tried to constantly do, and that is to take away the constitutional rights of representatives and the American people. And we're not going to allow that. Isn't it also true that she herself has walked around them and other Democrats have done the same and there's no punishment for them? Yes, that is exactly correct. In fact, we have video evidence of Speaker Pelosi on February the 4th doing exactly the same thing that we got fined for doing, and that is not getting going through the security screen. In fact, uh, the ranking member of the House Admin Committee, Rodney Davis, along with Barry Loudermilk, another Georgian and another member, uh, uh, signed a letter to the um, uh, to the Capitol Police. Actually, I think it was to the Sergeant at Arms, and uh, demanding that Speaker Pelosi be fined because there are witnesses to this, and and of course they're not going to find the Speaker. They work for the Speaker. I mean, my word. Uh, but um, but it was a, it was it was a fantastic example of um, of hypocrisy on Speaker Pelosi. And there's numerous others that have bypassed the magnetometers as well. And our on our lawsuit outlines instance after instance where the Democrats have done it and not gotten fined. But Republicans have been fined. Um, in fact, I believe um, Representative Lloyd Smucker just got uh, notified of his fine last week. And I think Virginia Fox is going to be going in front of the Ethics Committee this week for her fine. Um, you know, and these are members just going to the floor to vote. And because the timing is really tight, depending upon what they've had to do, they're getting in there at the last minute and, and, and they're making sure that they carry their people's vote. And as a result, they can't be deterred by the metal detectors um, in order to, or, or they might miss their vote. And there have been a number of, of members that actually have missed the vote because of being delayed at the magnetometers. And that's, again, a violation of Article 1, Section 6 of the Constitution. And my understanding is uh, even if you, uh, we, we don't need to belabor this, but if you just even have to leave the floor to go to the restroom, you have to go through it to get back in. It's, it is ridiculous. And what the, the net effect of it is it is harassment to those of you serving. It's harassment that distracts. You know, there are such important battles to fight, and you guys are having to fight this. And, I, and I'm glad you're fighting this, but this is intentional. Absolutely. You know, if we don't draw the line somewhere, she is going yes. to continue to move the goalposts on us and yep. take away more and more and more of our freedoms. And it has to stop now. Yes. This is a great place to stop her. You also mentioned that this is kind of a, an optic uh, to, to, uh, to underscore that narrative that she's trying to build for January 6th, that some of you cooperated with the insurrectionists and you're dangerous and people are, uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has, uh, you know, furthered this lie that you, she's a danger from p- people in the Congress. And so in addition to that, speaking of optics, people will understand that she built this huge fence Around the Capitol, we all saw it. It looked like uh, I used to live in Berlin during the Cold War, uh, and the wall is a familiar sight to me, and it reminded me so much of that, Congressman. So the the wall was built there, uh, and also I think uh, it's been taken down now, but it was meant to communicate a message. One thing that you are fighting that I don't think people know is that the Capitol has really been shut off from the people. Can you explain that and explain what you're trying to do to counter that? Well, actually, Sandy, um, the wall still exists. The inner wall is still here. 
All right, it's still um, an eight-foot wall, a non-scalable wall that goes around the Capitol. The Capitol is closed. We are still under COVID protocol here, uh, which means, um, you know, social distancing and no shaking hands and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and and uh, the outer fence has been taken down, the one with the okay. razor wire on it, but yeah. the inner okay. fence is still there. Uh, we We still have to, to, in order to have anyone in our offices, they have to check in get proper badges, be escorted. I mean, this is absolutely unconscionable that people um, are not allowed to see, to go to their capital, to go to their people's house. Um, but it's all an optic that Speaker Pelosi is driving that we are the enemy within, that uh, those who supported President Trump are uh, domestic terrorists, that we are violent domestic extremists. And that's just simply false. Uh, and we have to stand against that narrative. And, and um, so there's all sorts of messaging that, that has happened on the fence and that will continue to happen on the fence. Because uh, um, this fence has to come down. It has to come down very soon. I agree with you. And it's it's really, I, you know, people that haven't been to D.C. and maybe have been there but haven't uh, gone to, to the, uh, the halls of Congress, Probably don't even realize uh, that you go there and you can you have access to your, in the past and unintentionally it is the people's house. We've had access to our congressman. If you have something to say, you can go there and communicate it to your congressman. Sometimes in person, sometimes through his staff, our hair staff, and that's the way it's worked. And now all that is shut down, and that means that you guys are isolated in that place, and you're isolated and controlled by her. It's it really is like a nightmare, creepy, you know. Uh, horror show to me uh what you guys are experiencing and i'm i am so glad that you're fighting back we've got to stop this let's change the subject for a second because as a as i've already uh, described you and your wife are members of the the um, prince avenue baptist church and more than that you obviously are a follower of christ uh, you're a deacon in that church so the the issue of the sanctity of life is important to you so you've been fighting uh, to keep the hyde amendment in uh, pieces uh, of legislation can you talk about that for a second Sure, absolutely. The Hyde Amendment is so vitally important um, to life in this country. Uh, we have to preserve it. Um, no federal dollars can ever be allowed to support abortion. It's just wrong. You know, I believe that life begins at conception and ends at natural death, and I will stand strong on that um, in every aspect of what I do, every piece of legislation. Uh, that touches the right to life uh, has to recognize that. Um, there have been a number of bills that I have supported, been sponsors of or co-sponsors of, um, and and it goes from the, the uh, Child Interstate Abortion Notification Act to the Life at Conception Act to the Abortion is Not Health Care Act to the Women's Right to Know Act and Protecting Life and Taxpayers Act. You know, all of these um are, are bills that I have uh, uh, co-sponsored and um, written letter or, or signed on to letter after letter after letter to, um, uh, to combat uh, what the Biden administration and Health and Human Services are trying to do, and that is to ignore the law or to, I, I mean, a, a great example is um, uh, HHS Secretary Becerra regarding his refusal to recognize the partial birth abortion ban as codified in law. I mean, that's unconscionable. The president is um, 
his responsibility is to faithfully execute the law. And there is a partial birth abortion ban in the law. And the HHS secretary refuses to even acknowledge it. And that's flat out wrong. He needs to be forced to resign when he can't recognize what the law says and enforce the law as as it's written, as Congress wrote it, and the president at the time signed it. Well, I can, I can, I can see why Nancy Pelosi's finding you. Uh, she's going to find you a lot more when she finds out that she's got a real opponent there. And I, can I just say it as an aside, just a personal note? Um, Congressman Henry Hyde was a very good friend of mine. Congressman, um, I'm from Illinois, from Chicago, and uh, he was a very good friend. And I have a, well, I, okay, this is very personal. I had a disabled child. I've got a great picture of uh, Henry Hyde pushing my daughter in a wheelchair. But he loved life, and just mm, wow. he would be so proud to think his name. You know, that's, a, that's such a great legacy for him because he did value life. He's yeah. still being carried on and fought for. So that's the kind of guy he was. And uh, then last but not least, I have to ask you, I alluded to it, but uh, are, you finding, uh, are you finding faith at the Capitol? Are you finding brothers there? Uh, and, and how is your faith factoring in as you're fighting these battles? Oh, my, my yes. Um, you know, a lot of people think that Congress is a bunch of heathens. And uh, in many respects, they're right, okay? But, um, but we have some amazing God-fearing people here, um, whether it is Bible studies that go on or just um, uh, members praying with other members. Um, you know, one of my dearest friends is Congressman Jody Heiss from Georgia's 10th District, uh, who is a former Baptist pastor, but an uh, amazing man of God. Um, and uh, we just have so many good Republicans who are God-fearing, and, um, and it's very encouraging, but people yep. need to continue to pray for us. You know, in fact, that's the one thing I ask when, when people come up to me and say, how can I help you? How can I help you? And I say, pray for me. Pray that God will give me wisdom and that he will give me courage, great courage to articulate that wisdom and then and discernment. So those yes. are the things that I need as a congressman. And then, honestly, uh, all of us really need it. Our, our people will give you Go that, ahead. Congressman. And that's the reason I ask you the question, um, because we, are, uh, we know this is a spiritual battle. And also, just practically speaking, it's the reason why we can't give up on Washington, because people like you are serving there. Congressman Andrew Clyde, 9th Congressional District, Georgia. Sandy Rios in the morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.